This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, December 7th, 2019, and it is the Christmas season. Uh, Christmas season, which means, of course, Christmas music has been unleashed. Have you heard any Christmas music while you've been out and about? Sure have. Mostly flipping through channels on the radio. I love it when the radio station, as soon as Thanksgiving's over, radio station dedicates itself to holiday music for the next month. <laughs> Apparently, uh, and I'm, I'm inferring some things here, there has been a new tradition spring up in the last year or two. They call it Whamageddon. 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 It's after the musical group Wham. Okay. And there's a, a particular Christmas song, maybe their only Christmas song, that's, uh, you know, last year I gave you my heart, and in return you gave it away this year uh, to save me from tears. I'm giving it to someone special. So... Whamageddon, I don't know if you've heard that song. Have you heard that song? I, you know, it's, I, I don't know that I have. Um, it does, it does this mean I'm the all time leader in Whamageddon? Probably. Uh, I, I get the feeling, and this is the inference I'm making, I get the feeling that it's a lot more popular in England, uh, because Wham was bigger in England than they were in America, but. The game of Whamageddon starts on December 1st and goes through to uh, December... Oh, there it is. December 25th. Holy cow. So, I actually have been playing Whamageddon. But I've got an unfair advantage in that I don't listen to the radio and I'm not out and about in places where the radio is playing as much as other people. Um. <laughs> Only the original version applies. So so you have to avoid listening to the song. You're, yeah, you're, out, you're out as soon as you recognize the song. Yep. And then, uh, then as soon as you're out, you have to, you have to let people know. You have to say, oh, I got hit. That's funny. Uh, so it's so, a, just a cute little social media game. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the like an assassination game or whatever. So I, I am playing Whamageddon, and if for some reason I do get hit, I will let people know officially on my social media accounts that Whamageddon got me, uh, that I have been eliminated. So uh, I encourage everyone to play just because it's kind of a fun nonsense thing to do on social media for this Christmas season. Well, okay. I, it, I, aren't you worried that this is going to turn you into a curmudgeon, avoiding all holiday-themed radio and parties and things? Are, uh, are, are you assuming that I'm not already avoiding all holiday <laughs> That's Daddy Christmas Spirit Warpig. That's 
That's, that's not quite true. I do have a few Christmas songs scattered here and there in my iTunes, uh, but yeah, I'm Christmas music is not my favorite genre. No, I, I don't listen to a lot of Christmas music myself. Um, so play Whamageddon, it's good for you. That's my motto on it. It's good for you, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I, I absolutely did skip over. How was your week? My week? Oh, my week's yeah. all right. I was just busy at work. Lots of board games. I uh, relearned a, a new game, Terra Mystica. That was a nice one. But it's long and complicated. <clears throat> and I won't I won't bore everybody with the details. Uh, but that was nice. Uh, I also saw a great film, which we're going to talk about on the show. Ford v. Ferrari. That was great. I sort of saw that on a, on a lark. And, and when I got out, realized that it was so good, I had to talk about it. I have heard nothing but good things about that movie. Hmm. Like literally every person who's seen that movie has that I know of has said something about it. Or or let me put it in a different way. Everything I've seen said about that movie by people who've seen it has been positive. I've never seen anything negative written about someone written by someone who's seen the movie. I'm guessing there's a lot of people who've seen it who didn't say anything, but every person uh, who has said something said something positive. Yeah, there's there's nothing negative to say about the movie. It's a, it's great. What well, uh, what was that driving movie with Chris Hemsworth? That was uh wow, I do forget the name. I think it was Liam Hemsworth though. I don't think it was Chris. Okay. Uh yes, the Ron Howard film. Kind yeah, of yeah. similar, kind kind of similar in construction. I I'll I'll have to look it up. Uh that one was very good too. Ford v Ferrari is better. Is better. Okay, that was my next question. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get to that. And we've got some video games to discuss, some new ones, some slightly older ones. Oh, it was Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, okay. Go on. And... Ooh, ooh, yeah, I got a, got a, uh, a classic one um, to go there. And I've got a movie I went and saw. Um, I went and saw the Mr. Rogers movie. The Mr. Tom Rogers Hanks. movie, Tom Hanks. Yeah. I think it's called a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. I that one, that one was Rogers. not on my list to watch. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you took that bullet for me. <laughs> it's an interesting story. Um, because the movie was made from an article. And it's about how that article got written, about this writer interacting with Mr. Rogers. So a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, I read that article, and it was a great article. I love the article. And so then I heard they were making a movie of it, then they cast you know, Tom Hanks, and then they were producing the movie, and then the trailer came out. So I've been keeping track of this since before it was even a movie. So of course I'm going to go see it, because I've been kind of keeping track of it over the last three years. So yeah, I'm going to go see the Mr. Rogers movie. Cool. It's just, uh, you know, whatever. I was there. I had been watching this thing being birthed. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's start with you, DW. You mentioned you played. You wanted to talk about a few games. Do you want to start there? Or do you want to start with this this Mister Rogers film? Um, you're asking me questions, man. I'm leaving it up to you. The ball is in your court. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. I, I want to mention the Mandalorian real quick. Oh yeah. Somebody is upset about the Mandalorian. Okay, it's not just somebody. It's somebody who writes for Polygon. Okay. And writing for Polygon is you're writing for Vox. Uh, and everybody knows that Vox is is crazy. That they're just nuts and stupid. They're incredibly stupid too. Vox is the site that said there was a bridge built from the West Bank to the Gaza Strip across all of Israel. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so why are they so why are they so stupid about the Mandalorian? The recent I mean episode, the most recent episode, um, episode five, for those of you who might be checking it out. They were complaining that it has poisonous, and I'm, and I'm directly quoting from the headline, uh, or at least the tweet, it has poisonous prequel energy. Poisonous now, prequel energy. Now, The Mandalorian is basically set up as a Western, right? He's a frontier bounty hunter. So he hooks up with another bounty hunter and they go riding out after this bounty. So instead of riding horses, they ride hover bikes. Cool. Which is actually pretty cool. I mean, it's a decent episode. I'm not saying it's great cinema. The thing about The Mandalorian is it's not super great. It's good. It's not great. But it's so much better than everything else Disney's done with Star Wars that, you know, it comes off looking like it's the best thing ever made in Western cinema in comparison. <laughs> so they're complaining that there's too much stuff from old movies. It's just, it's mind-boggling how much crap they stuffed into this single episode, they can't keep track of it all. So much fan service. So I sat down and I counted all the fan service in a tweet. Are you ready to be overwhelmed with confusion? I am seated and ready. Uh, there were speeder bikes from Return of the Jedi, which we just mentioned. The show takes place on Tatooine, mm -hmm. and he lands in Mos Eisley. So mm -hmm. that's from Star Wars. And then those little fold-up robot things from the Phantom Menace show up. Because they're Tatooine service droids that you saw. And therefore, they're in Mos Eisley. 
Wow. That's it. They 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 wrote a western TV series and it's set on Tatooine and someone's complaining about that. No, and, they're and, complaining. And, and the four other pieces of fan service. Yeah. They're <laughs> Hey man, you know what? Vox got your click. They got your eyeballs for a couple of minutes. You lost. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put through the site. No, no, no. I did not. Uh, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Everything filtered through, through Twitter. Is is just slows you down. <laughs> <laughs> you got more tweets. There's always more tweets. You got to get those other tweets. Other sites are just there to kill your into to kill your momentum on the site. That's it. Three pieces. Three. Three pieces of fan service is mind-boggling complexity that you have to keep track of. It's it's special in-joke references that clearly no one would ever get, right? That mm. totally don't stand on its own because the concept of service robots... Wow, who would ever get that in a Star Wars show? It couldn't just stand on its own. No, that's just woo, wah wah wah. Uh, he lands on a in a town in a scrub adobe town in a desert world. I mean, woo, who who? That that's just going to confuse everybody who hasn't seen Star Wars. It's so confusing and. And complex and, and and labyrinthine. How dare they do this to the audience, man? And then you know, speeder bikes instead of horses. Like, where does that even come from? The audience is—they're going to be wigging out. They're crazy to do this. So complicated. It's madness. Poisonous prequel. Energy is what it is. It's astounding to me how these people still have jobs. <laughs> they don't, mostly. Um, so having talked about The Mandalorian and Polygon's just wackadoodle opinions about it, um... I think we should talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? It's a video I, game. I was about to say, I didn't see that one. Tell me what that is, a video game. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say this and it's going to make all the gamers mad. But it's absolutely, it is actually literally true. I'm not using this as a metaphor, and I'm not using this as a cliche. So brace yourselves. It is the dark souls of Star Wars games. Oh. By which I mean... They took some mechanics from Dark Souls, 
added in some mechanics from uh, like Uncharted or Tomb Raider. Added you mean the quick you know, time events. No, no, the climbing, the exploring. Oh, okay. Added in some mechanics from Metroidvania games. Um, and not like wholesale. They're not copying everything wholesale. And then added in uh, the Star Wars stuff. Lightsaber battles and flying to planets that you would recognize like Kashyyyk, the homeworld of the Wookiees and such. And then mix them all together in a unique uh, brew. They threw out everything that didn't work with each other. They don't have anything in there that's just there because the designers thought it would be a cool mechanic. Uh, or they liked it in the original video game, so they stuck it in there whether it worked or not. They actually, they actually you know, went through and designed it well and, and integrated all these disparate components and then added some new ideas that are useful. They developed these ideas. So from Dark Souls, you have um, boss battles that are big and tough. You have, uh, you know, Dark Souls has those, uh, what is it, pyres, those fires you have to light. And that's your waypoint. And if you don't go back to it, you don't save your progress. Um, and if you use it, all the monsters respawn. Well, they have that similar mechanics in the game. Um, and then... So that's the Dark Souls influence. And the game isn't so much about dodge rolling as it was in Dark Souls... It's about parrying or blocking within a very specific time period. And that enables you to counterattack. These are the combat mechanics. And the higher the difficulty, the tighter the uh, timing you have to be on it. And you can go through all the rest of them and point to its other influences. But the point is, yes, you can clearly see where it's been influenced, but they bothered to integrate all its influences and make of them a whole game instead of just throwing a bunch of things together that, that just don't work. The All these things work together. All of them blend together. Um, and I'm going to say it's the most enjoyable experience I've had uh, in all the... All of the Disney era of Star Wars. Well, it's better than everything. Uh, that's great. The, the way you, you said that it put all those mechanics together. It sounds like someone sounds like the designers of the game really put the time and thought into putting it together instead of just saying, well, we're going to copy Dark Souls and put lightsabers in it. They They thought about how to do that and, and do it in a way that would be fun and interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and for example, you know, Dark Souls famously doesn't have an easy mode because that's its selling point is how crushingly difficult it is. But this game does have an easy mode, 
because it's not trying to be Dark Souls. It's not trying to copy Dark Souls. It's just taking inspiration from Dark Souls mechanics. So sure, that makes I, sense. It, it's it's not trying to be, uh, you know, you're not going to get the same difficulty as Dark Souls with the Star Wars theme. You're going to get the same mechanics as Dark Souls, but it'll be it'll be a little lighter, a little more fun. Because because we're when I when I think of Star Wars games, I don't think of high difficulty games. I think of sort of low barrier to entry games. Even the even the RPGs, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, they weren't hard. They they were a little, they were maybe a little too obtuse for casual gamers, but nothing was hard. There are higher difficulty levels that if you want to, you can get that. You know, grinding your face into the dirt. Uh, in the game, grinding your face into the dirt kind of difficulty, but it's not mandatory. That's there for, for people. And I guess the best thing I can say about the game in terms of critical reaction is that uh, Yahtzee Croshaw gave it a recommendation. Oh, wow. Does he still so, do those? Does he still do those rants on YouTube? Yes, he does. <laughs> Oddly enough. Um, so, I mean, there are some flaws in the game and it's not as bug free as the outer worlds is. Uh, in fact, there are a couple of bugs that were kind of maddening here and there, but nothing consistent. And I would not at all call it buggy. Uh, it looks great, obviously. And they, uh, it, it's been made by respawn entertainment which is the core crew that made Call of Duty and then uh, left Activision when they got screwed over. They formed a new company, and the new company made Titanfall, Titanfall 2, uh, Apex Legends. Um, the company was bought by EA, but they were already working on this game when EA bought them, and they were already pretty far along, so EA allowed them to finish it. And so it's a completely un-EA-like game. There's no microtransactions at all. Um, all of There's a lot of exploring you can do, uh, but all the things you get from exploring are basically... One of them is it adds uh, healing slots to your companion droid, so you have more heals in between... Um, in between quote-unquote, you know, fires. Um, and the other stuff is all just cosmetics for you, for the droid, for the starship, whatever. Cool. Um, hey, one last thing before we move on. Uh, Brad Walker says that the lore is uh, out of whack. It doesn't really make sense in the Star Wars continuity. What do you think? I only watch the movies. I don't watch. I. I. I'm not saying I'm. I'm not saying I've boycotted anything, but I haven't watched like Rebels or the Clone Wars TV shows. I haven't read a lot of the extended universe or expanded universe novels or comics. So I don't know. I couldn't tell you 
And if it was, it wouldn't bother me. I liked the game. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, I like being able to investigate around a lot of things and have go find a new power and go back to places I've been before and and be able to cross a chasm I hadn't been able to to get some new uh, get to a new place and find a new secret or whatever. Cool. That's all I got. So I'm not saying he's wrong. He he could very well be right. I don't have any problem with what he's saying. I'm just saying I don't know. All right. Well, it sounds like it's uh, it's a fun game to play. I, I never played the Dark Souls games myself, but uh, I I might I might grab a this game and on on a Steam sale or something. It's a decent length. It's not overly long, and it's not it's not super short. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, learn how to block and parry. And uh, each enemy has a unique attack pattern and unique attacks. Um, once you kill one of them, you scan them. Uh, your droid scans them. And if you read their descriptions, it gives you a couple of hints about how to beat them in combat. Pay attention to those hints. It's a learning experience. And uh, I just found pretty much every part of it enjoyable. Uh, except the mercenaries from the Haxian clan who show up. They're just kind of crap. <laughs> They're the Game Master's pet NPCs is what they are. <laughs> <clears throat> So, yeah, I enjoyed well, it though. Well, all right, good recommendation. Uh, what else you been up to? Um, let's just cross that one off my list. Um, I went and played Battlefield Five. Um, because is, it, is, is that the one set in World War One ish? No, B Battlefield One was set in World War One. Oh, okay. Because um, they had Battlefield One, Two, Three, and Four. Then they had Battlefield One, that was set in World War One, and now they had Battlefield Five, which was set in World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, if that's the way you want to play this. Go for it. Um, but Battlefield 5 was the one where they had that trailer with the, you know, steampunk cybernetic uh, prosthetic arm. That's a little and weird. The, and the uh, head executive over the game told fans, if you don't like it, don't buy it, don't play it. And so they didn't. <laughs> and so despite the fact that EA had given him $15 million to stay with the company, they fired him less than a year later. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. 
that battlefield five. So you're gonna people are gonna scream, you're giving money to EA. Actually, I didn't give any money to EA. Um, I converted my Xbox Live Gold. I'm giving money to Microsoft. You know, if you're gonna give money to an evil empire, you go for the evilest empire there is. The original, the OG. The original OG. Yes. So I uh, converted my Xbox Live Gold account to an Xbox Live Ultimate Game Pass account. Which Can I just say how, of... how lame that name is? <laughs> what, a, what a cheesy name. <laughs> you, are, you are now an ultimate gamer, Daddy Warpig, with your <laughs> ultimate game pass. Did it come with, with a can of gamer fuel and a bag of Doritos? <laughs> um. <laughs> And I did that so I could play uh, The Outer Worlds because I didn't have enough money to buy it. I would have bought it. I had the money. They, it deserves full price. That's a game that deserves to be paid for full price. It's a great game. But I didn't have the money for it. So I I did the free thing of changing my account over. So I got to play that for free, and then after a couple of weeks, they gave me um, this uh, gift pack, which was three months of Spotify Premium, which I don't listen to, three free months of Discord Premium, which site I don't use, and I didn't know there was a premium version of its site, and one free month of EA Access. And on hmm. EA Access was Battlefield Five. So <laughs> I min-maxed the hell out of my freebies and bennies. <laughs> I've been taking corpse to the cleaners left and right is what I've been doing. It's it's the ultimate couponing of gaming. Yeah. So I downloaded Battlefield 5 and after I uh, after I finished the other game I was playing there was something after Fallen Order and before Battlefield 5. Oh yeah, that was the other game I was going to talk about. So I went in, and I played the campaigns that they have, and they were okay. They weren't bad. I thought the World War I ones were better. Um, it wasn't nearly as obnoxious as Battlefield Bad Company, and I've played both of those games. Uh, I haven't played a ton of Battlefield, but they were okay. I mean, not superb. They were Battlefield. If you've played a Battlefield game, you know what you're getting. The World War One ones had more variety. They had more interesting campaigns. These were trying too hard to be deep and meaningful and uh, to present like... And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. They didn't go about it in a bad way. So the, the they were going about trying to be wokish and show 
uh, minority and female representation in the game. But they didn't necessarily do it in a bad way. Uh, Senang uh, the Senegalese uh, Africans were a French colony during uh, World War II. So, you know, they're African. They're all black. Very, you know, very different from the French. Um, but they all speak French. They all considered themselves French citizens, and they were all French patriots. And they were part of a military force called the Terreur. Probably mispronouncing that. And they arrived on French soil after D-Day. There was an invasion in southern France, a landing there called Operation Dragoon. And these Tirelures, um were part of the forces that landed there and were involved in the fighting. There, are, The game says there are 25,000 of them. I don't have any reason to uh, doubt that. But you you play a small campaign as the Tirelior. So is that about was it all about you know being kind of wokish and showing a minority representation? Yes, that was the reason. Was that bad? Uh, in this specific case, they did it by choosing a unit that was historical, that really existed, that really was involved in this battlefront, and and it was kind of a fun campaign. It was close to uh, or reminiscent of a campaign that was in World War One, and the World War One did it better. Um, that is, Battlefield One did it better, but it was still okay. I enjoyed it. It was still fun. Um, it wasn't great, but I would say it wasn't superb, but it was pretty good. Um, so all of them were like that. The game itself, I can't speak to the uh, multiplayer, but the game itself was enjoyable. It's just, it's sad that they had such a stupid trailer and that they decided to be such jerk-offs about virtue signaling and wokeness because they had a good game that did some decent things, one of the campaigns was just silly. It was just silly. Um, it was, I don't know how old the main character was, but she was like a late teens, early 20s Norwegian girl. It's a little slip of a girl. <laughs> you know, short thin girl who was going through and doing the typical um, Arnold Schwarzenegger commando stuff against the Nazis. And it just got more and more ridiculous as you went on. So in that case, the woke stuff just didn't work because it was just silly. You're like, look, a woman that skinny, a woman that short cannot beat up men who have 50 pounds of muscle on her. They're going to pick her up and break her over their knees. Um, but most of the campaigns were were pretty good. And even that campaign was enjoyable. That campaign had skiing. And uh, I won't lie, I delayed trips to critical uh, places where I had missions just to do some jumping off of the slopes. 
thought they were Nazis crushing uh, the life out of the resistance in Norway. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was an alright game. And admittedly, I didn't pay anything for it, but yeah, it was an alright game. Good game ruined by marketing. Yeah, it was completely destroyed by marketing. Oh, well. And there were flaws, but the flaws were oh, small flaws. And man, is the Dice's Frostbite engine is gorgeous. Holy crap. That is a the scenery everything. It was just beautiful. I was looking around even while I was zipping from one place to another. I was just looking around at the scenery going this is awesome. It's just stunningly beautiful. And you know how gorgeous it has to be to make you pay attention to it when you're just trying to get from point A to point B. So yeah, I, I, the game shouldn't have been as big a flop as it was, but they should have not been as self-righteous and obnoxious as they were. And it would have been more successful. Uh, although, you know, $15 million is a hell of a golden parachute. <laughs> Hey, it's it's good to be corporate, I guess. <laughs> you, who the hell can complain about fifteen million dollars? It's like we're firing you, but you can keep the fifteen million. I'll be like, okay, I'm cool with that. I'm down. Whatever, man. <laughs> All right. Speaking of millions of and millions of dollars. I'll step away from the games for a minute and, and talk about these films because they're both doing pretty well at the box office. Good. Uh, Go for it. I saw the best movie of 2019. Spoilers. Really? Uh, yeah, I liked it even more than Joker. I, I think it's great. Uh, I saw Ford v. Ferrari. And Ed, have you heard about that? Do you know what it is? Yes. It was Ford, Ford's attempt to produce a vehicle that could beat Ferrari in the Le Mans race. Yeah, and, and I didn't I don't know nothing about the Le Mans race. I'm not a racing guy. It's a 24-hour race. Um but yeah, it was is is a sort of a it sounds like a historical drama, right? We get to meet famous figures such as Enzo Ferrari and and the uh, Ken White the the driver and Lee Iacocca and, and a bunch of others, but it's a pure action movie. It's it's really really good. Uh, what I mean is the focus uh, after setting up the characters and the drama of. Uh, all of the dramas resolved in the races and it's uh, nonstop uh, action. As, as soon as the race, the, the race starts, it gets your heart pounding and then you have a break and then they do the next race. I'm, I'm not even doing this right. 
I, I'm not giving it justice. What I can say is that uh, it's an interesting story, and they told it uh, and shot it uh, so well that it's uh, a roller coaster of excitement and tension. Uh, even if you knew what the the outcome of the race, uh, every shot is is perfect, uh, and and the the tension rises throughout the race, and you really care about the outcome for the characters, uh, all the characters involved. I don't know how better to put it. You know, when you see, uh, you know, when you watch a good action flick and, and you care about the characters, right? Like you watch uh, particularly the first John Wick and you really want to see him get his, his vengeance. And then, and then the action is just a, uh, you know, an orgy of violence, right? Yes. Uh, and it's fun because you get to watch the action itself is interesting to watch and you care about what's going to happen. How, how is he going to murder all these people? Right. That sort of thing. Right. Uh, th this is different. This is, this is pure tension because at least for myself, uh, I wasn't sure what the outcome of each scene was going to be. And, uh, and so the, uh, the action was very intense and, and they take the time to introduce the characters well enough that you're, invested in the outcome and uh, and they don't do the race scenes the same way that you might do an action scene this is this is common for racing films you can't just show the track and everybody's position on the track right like you you do you do a fight scene and here's this here's the stage here's where everybody uh, is standing so you kind of know where everybody is in each shot Right, so it makes sense, but you can't do that on a race. That's boring. Um, it's more about the relative positions of the racers and and uh, you know what's happening with their with their cars and and what's happening in their heads and that sort of thing. And I'm not I'm not doing this justice with with all this gushing. What I mean is, uh, it's it, it's engaging. It's extremely engaging. And exciting at the same time. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it. it. It sometimes it's really hard to have anything to say about a really good movie because everything is hitting. And and what are you supposed to say? Yeah, uh, I mean, to, was great. The yeah, I mean, the, were great. <laughs> exactly. The the uh, I, I I guess I should use a car metaphor. I mean, it was firing on all cylinders. The, I, I originally wasn't going to see it. Uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to hear Matt Damon try a Texas accent for two hours, two and a half hours or whatever. <laughs> but uh, all the acting was incredible. You know, the, uh, the cast was great, of course. Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor. And uh, and, and Matt Damon's great, too. And uh, I hope Matt Damon and is listening to this and goes, oh, man, he just said I was great instead of as, as awesome as Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, I I think the the things that really worked for me 
in that film. Uh, all, all the actors really put it on the line and made you feel the, the character's emotions during those scenes, which enhanced what I think the, the strength was the shooting and the editing of those scenes. The, uh, the race scenes, it was, it was heart pounding action. It was really exciting to, to watch. I, I couldn't, I haven't been that excited at, at, at a film like that in a long time. In fact, the last, the last film that I thought was really good in the same way was actually another racing movie, Rush. Uh, this is even better than Rush. Was that the Chris Hemsworth movie I was thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we mentioned that earlier. It was uh, it was really good. So yeah, the uh, I don't even know who directed it. Let's let's get this IMDb page up for anybody watching the screen. That'd be helpful. It's it, it, everything came together. It's I believe it is genuinely a great film. Um, it's, I I understand if uh, if Joker lovers uh, think Joker is a better film. I don't. I I think this is the best movie of the year for sure. Um, who's the director James on this? James Mangold. James Mangold. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know him by name. Uh, it, everything was done. Well. He did uh, Logan. I've heard that name. Yeah, Walk the Line. Just the fact that he did Logan and Walk the Line—that's uh, high praise. He. Those are two great movies. Walk the Line is one. My favorite movies uh, from that genre. Yeah, uh, what can I say? And the I, I want to give a I want to mention the music as well. It's it's not full of loud brash music or period tunes, right? You'd expect something set in the '60s would would nonstop blast you with classic rock or whatever to keep all the boomers happy. No, they, they opted to go with proper uh, soundtrack that you didn't even notice, but it really kept the tension high, kept the action going, that sort of thing. So the fact that they avoided the easy trap of, hey, let's just play some awesome 60s tunes, right? Which you can it, you just turn to your dial to your local classic rock station owned and operated by Clear Channel, and <laughs> you'll get all those songs anyway. <laughs> It was really good. I, I I literally have tried to see that movie like three times and have been um, flick blocked. Flick blocked. <laughs> you have to see it now. Uh, see it in the theater. It's it's a great film. Highest of recommendations on. Ford versus Ferrari. For those of you in the audience who haven't seen it, um, I, I do have one thing that that I almost forgot to mention, which was the uh, the one of the most appealing things about the film was the the bond between the two main characters, their their friendship uh, throughout the the story. It's not just about the races; it's about these two guys uh, and and their friendship and the way they handle these trials, right? The right. the race the the races and the conflicts between the you know Ford and Ferrari the companies those things th those are your your basic conflicts they just sort of set the stage for uh, you know the those two characters to live and grow through that time 
and the the is sort of a the pure male friendship that you see in the film is rare nowadays and it was it was refreshing to see just uh, uh you know an honest look at what that means to those two guys you know because they they are good friends throughout the film and and i'm going to do a minor spoiler do you mind a minor spoiler Uh, i don't all right minor spoiler for that scene everybody saw in the commercials where you know henry ford gets driven out in a race car and he nearly wets himself you know matt damon races around a track and, and at the end the old man's crying to himself you remember that spot yes they set it up like the guy's wetting his pants. It's completely the opposite. He's, uh, it, 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 they in the film they actually turn it into a really sweet moment. He's overwhelmed with emotion, and and he says something really poignant in that scene. And it's it's really, it's a really really great scene. It's not the haha stupid you know the stupid suit gets what he deserves sort of <laughs> moment. It's it's actually a a just a nice sweet. Uh, emotional scene that uh, feels really well earned. And so that's the cool. other thing that it does really well. Um, really it pays off what it sets up. Exactly. Exactly. Highest of recommendations for sure. All right. Should we? Uh, I, I'm done. I, I'm done. I'm done gushing. Everybody go see it. It's it's amazing. I saw a much slower film. <laughs> <laughs> your your it, pulse wasn't pounding at the end of the Mister Rogers film. It, it, Mister Rogers is is literally a slower movie because Mister Rogers is literally you know one of the most laid back guys in America, <laughs> one of the most gentle people in America. Um, the, the movie has some flaws, but they're not huge flaws. And if you know who Mr. Rogers is, then it's a fascinating tale. Um, but it's, it's not, you mentioned it's not exactly about Mr. Rogers. It's, it's about... Because there, there, there's no conflict in a story of Mister Rogers, and there's no. It wasn't a simple biography, right? Right. It's. Uh, I like the movie. It's a good movie. You ought to see it. That's my recommendation. Go see the movie. Um, Mister Rogers is a kind gentleman. He is. There are a lot of people whose public appearance, whose public persona is not a match for who they really are inside or who they really are in private. Everything they do is a, uh, you know, is fake. Mr. Rogers on his show seems like a kindly gentle 
a patient, caring man. And this gentleman from New York City is assigned to go talk to Mr. Rogers for an issue of uh, Esquire, I believe, about heroism. About real heroes. And he goes there with the intent of discovering who Mr. Rogers really is. About who uh, is his public persona really who he is or not. And so the part of the movie that deals with Mr. Rogers himself privately behind the camera, it turns out he's exactly who he seems to be. He is absolutely everything you'd think he was based on his show. He's exactly that person in private. He's exactly that person at home. He's exactly that person um, in public when he's going to restaurants or when he's, you know, getting on the subway or whatever. He is exactly Mr. Rogers all the time. So it's interesting to see a person who um, generally is, genuinely is um, what he appears to be. Well, that's really, that's great to hear. Heartwarming indeed. Um, and the other gentleman has a lot of difficulties with life. He's got a lot of things that happen that have that he is angry about, and justifiably so. Um, his mom was dying of cancer, and his dad abandoned the family. Um, and it gives him a lot of anger um, towards his dad. And there's other things going on in his life. And you can understand why that would make him angry towards his father. Um, because he was like, you know, young when it happened. And he was left alone with his mom in a hospital room, dying of cancer, in great pain, sometimes screaming in pain. And you can understand how that'd be hard to forgive. You can understand how that'd be hard to get over you can understand it how it'd be hard to want to be part of your dad's life after that so mr rogers when he goes to do these interviews um is actually more interested in getting to know the reporter than he is to 
answering the questions the reporter thinks are important. And so in real life, what the story the reporter writes is a story of how talking with Mr. Rogers, even though he didn't want to, and even though it was kind of infuriating sometimes, how talking with Mr. Rogers helped him work past some of the most painful moments in his life. And that story, uh, the Esquire, again, I believe story, um, you, if you can chase it down, you absolutely should. It's a great read. Um, but that's what's been fictionalized into the movie, and that's what the movie follows, is his tale of dealing with Mr. Rogers and how Mr. Rogers helps him uh, heal, and not like a psychotherapist would, not like a counselor would, um, just by asking the right questions, just by being there and talking to him and um, getting to know him and being, you know, a friend. That sounds like a nice story. It is. It's a very sweet story. It's a very heartwarming story. And one of the things that happened that was funny, because I had read it in the article. And when it happens in the movie, they get on this subway train. And immediately I was all excited because I knew what was going to happen on the subway train. So I'd read the original article. And sure enough, it did. It, it, Mr. Rogers in New York to do some shooting for his show gets on a New York subway train. And these kids from the hood standing at one end of the car start singing the Mr. Rogers theme that he sings at the top of every show. And then some New York cops who are standing right there, NYPD, start singing. And then Mr. Rogers is singing with them. And the whole car is singing, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And it was just, it was a really touching moment, but it also showed how important Mr. Rogers, uh, what kind of impact he had had on so many people's lives. Because all these people knew that song. All these people had watched Mr. Rogers, when he when they were young, they knew his song. They knew who he was, and he meant something to them. And uh, I had read that scene in the article, and the movie did not disappoint. They translated that to film perfectly. Um, so it's just a great way to, like I mentioned earlier, two or three years watching it um, being translated to film. Uh, and I was I was not disappointed by that. Well, I'm glad to hear that they translated that successfully. What did you think of the casting choice, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers? Did he do okay? He did a great job. Tom Hanks did a great job. The major failure of Tom Hanks is that he doesn't have eyebrows like Mr. Rogers does. And yeah, their attempt to make his eyebrows makes him look like uh, the fat mentat from Dune, where his eyebrows <laughs> are actually not connected to his his head. They they look like 
they've just grown out and somebody's combed them up. <laughs> they look awful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so makeup wasn't perfect. <laughs> makeup was not, not a favor for those eyebrows. <laughs> okay. Okay. But he did a good enough job because because I I heard I heard mixed uh mixed reviews on whether he actually did a good job as Mr. Rogers, but he did well enough for the film at least. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well that sounds great. Uh I mean maybe I never watched Mr. Rogers much as I was a kid, so I don't have the same sort of connection as as most people do with him. But but maybe it's worth catching just for the Nice story. Yeah, I would say so. I'd recommend it at least. You know, and if you don't like Mr. Rogers, if he gets on your nerves, honestly, not a movie for you. And I'd understand that. Sure. So. That's it. Wow. Well, cool. Uh, th that's all I had for today. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I had some backup topics just in case we uh, didn't, we ran out of stuff with the other things. Uh, I will say this. I want to do something real quickly. I just played World War Z because I got it free from my Game Pass. And I'm really kind of upset. I don't know who to be upset at, though, that nobody told me how good this game was. The World War Z video game. Um, is really good. It's like the Left for Dead Three we never got. It's it's seriously fun, and um, I'm just disappointed nobody ever told me. It's so fun, <laughs> even though I got it for free with Game Pass, I went and bought it anyway. You're uh, I mean, you're one of the few people left who still who hasn't been tired of zombie movies and games yet that's why it's an awesome game it's fun <laughs> four player co-op so if you have some people who can play with you online it's great then and you're not just fighting like you know 10 20 zombies you're fighting like a hundred of them coming at you in this huge wave it's awesome so, yeah, I played that. That was really enjoyable. <laughs> I just liked everything about it. Daddy Warpig, satisfied customer. Yep. I'm disappointed in whoever didn't tell me about this game that was supposed to. All right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm apparently among the few. I never played it, but I probably should have told you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm all set. I, uh, it's been good to hang out with you as usual. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat hanging out. Uh, yeah, glad we could help uh, Brad Walker, Fiona Wolf. Yeah, we. I'm glad you like our movie recommendations. Go see that stuff and let me know. Let me know how you like it. Uh, you guys can catch us on Twitter at the usual spots. Um, and thanks to everybody listening later. I hope you enjoyed the reviews of all the games and movies that we saw. Um, thanks to everybody who showed up to uh, listen live and have take part in the chat discussion. Thanks to everybody who is going to listen to us uh, later. 
Uh, you can get the show on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab, at least until the uh, upcoming uh, YouTube apocalypse happens. We have no idea what's going to go on after that, but, you know, whatever. We'll jump to bit shoot or whatever the hot new trendy thing is. Um, and uh, you can also find us on the Google Play Store, on the iTunes Store, and on SoundCloud.com. Just do a search for Geek Gab. We're available at all those places. So you can download and listen to the show on the device of your choosing. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. Ooh, I get to do the standard YouTube spiel. Let's see if I can get through it. Because we don't do this. We've never practiced this before. So I only get the second hand by listening to other YouTubers. Are you ready? Do, do you think I can get through this? Uh, I have full confidence in your ability. <laughs> so be sure to like and subscribe and click the bell icon so you can get uh, announcements in the emails about when we're uh, put up new videos or when we're going live. And uh, if you have already subscribed, just double check because YouTube sometimes sneakily, stealthily unsubscribes people for no good reason. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. We are signing out. But don't you worry, don't you fret, we will be back.